Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. All right. I want to make sure Scott wasn't running out there with the kids. We got you, buddy. All right. It's good to be with you this morning. It is really good. So uh, we're continuing to talk about generosity and of course, our beginning point, and when we talk about generosity, is God's generosity, right? right? He is a generous God. And so any generosity that we offer is a reflection of his generosity in our lives. So as Christians, this is, this is what life looks like for us and the rhythms as we receive from him and then we share what we've received, uh, which, is, which is great because a lot of times that means we actually have more to give than we might imagine, because when we think about what we give, particularly in generosity, a lot of times we um, relegate it to money, and so we, maybe we don't have a lot, um, and so we forget about all the other ways that we've experienced God's generosity, mm-hmm. right? And so sometimes it reminds us that there's, there's more than we might imagine that we have, right. and, um, and different than we might imagine, That's right. because God's generosity flows from his abundance, and it's just mm-hmm. so good. Um, I actually got an email uh, this last week uh, from somebody, and I just... It was, it was a great email, so I want yeah. to read part of it All here. Right, let's do it. it's, a, it's a family that's been a part of our church for several months, and uh, their, their work makes, they, they travel, so they don't have home base, they have multiple home bases, and so they've been with us for, for a while, and, uh, and so she was just expressing to me what they've experienced here, and so they talked about how quickly they were welcomed into the community here, and they've got uh, three uh, boys, and each of the guys was w- just so lovingly welcomed into student ministry and kids ministry. They loved being a part of that, uh, even giving up stuff that they were kind of reflecting it would be normal teenage stuff to do uh, so they could be a part of what was going on here. And that's just a beautiful reflection of the generosity of so many of you that invest yourselves uh, in the lives of families. Uh, so that was cool. And then there was one part that she uh, mentioned specifically. I want to read directly from here. Uh, she writes, uh, also you spoke on Sunday about seeing a need and crossing to the other side of the street to meet it. Uh, two of your members, uh, Jennifer and Dave, did that for us. Uh, Jennifer took the time, talked to their oldest son, and found out that he really wanted to learn to ski while he was here, but because time was running short, they're actually moving on tomorrow, uh, but because time was running short, probably wouldn't. They, however, made it happen. Uh, They took him three days, they gave him layered garments uh, so he could be warm, uh, talked with him, skied, laughed with him. They didn't have to do that and could have easily said, well... Hope you get to someday. But instead, they gave up their time so my son could have that experience. Uh, They are true examples of generosity and showing the love of Jesus. So true. Isn't that a great email? And that's just a a reflection of what generosity looks like. When we see, when we're noticing what's going on here and how God opens doors for us to step into that in so many different ways. Today, as we talk about generosity, I want to do so through the lenses of our work. I want to do so through the lenses of our work. What does generosity have to do with our work? Now, some of you might be thinking, I have been done with work for years now, so kick back and relax. This one's not for me. <laughs> Au contraire, mon frere. 
This is for all of us. So uh, whatever your income stream looks like, our work is about how we spend our, uh, a bulk of our time and our life and our energy um, contributing to the world around us. Right, so that's, that's the framework. Some of us get paid, uh, and we're doing work like that, uh, but all of us have, have calling to contribute to the world around us. And so that's what we want to explore today and see how those things come together uh, with generosity. All right? So, Joe, why don't you read? Uh, we're going to look at Psalm 8. Uh, Joe's going to read it for us right. and get the ball rolling. All right, so turn with us to Psalm 8. We're going to read the whole psalm. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks, herds, animals of the wild, birds of the sky, and fish in the sea. All that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Mm. Let me just pause and pray for us for a moment. Let's do it. Father, we echo uh, what you inspired to be written in this psalm here. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And we praise your name above all names. For you created everything that is. And in your grace, in your mercy, you have rescued us from the sin that has held us fast and you have called us into your life through your son, Jesus. What a gift of your generosity. And so today as we study your word, I pray that you would open our eyes to see you more clearly, open our eyes to hear you more fully and soften our hearts to receive what you have for us today in your goodness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, like, what a great psalm. That's uh, amazing. It doesn't seem like a passage on work not immediately. At, not at first glance. Right. <laughs> right. Because there's a lot of ways that we think about our work mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily reflected in this. No. No, right. there's, a, there's a lot of other passages that come to mind that are very overt about work. Yeah. Right. Like, particularly in the New Testament. Right. Think about some of Paul's words, the importance of work. Yeah. Why, why it matters, why we need to do it, why yeah. we need to contribute. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Scripture says things like... Um, if you don't work, you don't eat. Yep. Right? And talks about ants and store, you oh, know, yes. working hard and those kind yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, so we get this right. in Proverbs. That's right. Um, and so I think there's some ways that we often think about work that I just want to name real briefly. Mm. Um, because while there might be pieces of them that have some truth, there, we also can get a little bit askew. Sure. In, in our perspective yeah, on what work sure. is. And I think one of the things that we do when we think about our work as it pertains to God and his kingdom and, and what he's doing in the world, um, what we can do is we can create a, a secular, sacred divide, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's really common in our culture. Yeah, do, do you know what I mean by mm-hmm. that? Right, so there, there's some work that's sacred work. That's, that's religious work. And so you and I might be considered sacred workers, right? Because right? we're pastors, we yeah. do you know, Jesus things. And then there's secular work like mechanical 
construction, right? And so what we can do is we can put in our head that those things are divided. Um, and so when we talk about God and our work, we think, well, maybe someday I can. Um, but we, we hold that divide in our head and that divide actually doesn't do us any good. It doesn't do us any good. It, it's actually not a biblical divide, particularly when we see into uh, the New Testament and the New Covenant, there, there isn't this divide. Um, the New Testament talks about priesthood of all believers, mm-hmm. right? And so everywhere we go, we are, if we're in Christ, we're, we're priests wherever we go. And so um, that divide doesn't do us any good. Uh, and sometimes in that divide, we'll talk about, um, well, I make money mm-hmm. so that I can give to support the, the, the Jesus work or the sacred oh, sure. work. Yeah, right. You ever right. heard people talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and again, that's, like, that's part of it. So, so think about um, uh, Luke, for example, in his gospel. Yeah. Right? He opens it up by talking about this person named Theophilus who's actually funded him to go do his work yeah. of, of talking to all these eyewitnesses who interacted and engaged with Jesus. Right. Um, so it's part of it. Absolutely. But, but like, I think what you're driving at, it's, it's a whole lot more than that. Like, it's not less than, but it's way more but than But it is more than, Exactly. Um, sometimes we'll, we might think that um, evangelism is the only redemptive part of our work. Oh, yeah. Uh, and again, it, it is a part of our work. Yep. The fact that we get to bear witness to Jesus, we live that out um, in front of other people who are far from him, and we get to invite them in. That, that is a part of our work, the mm-hmm. environment that we're in is evangelistic. And like you just said, it's, it's a part of, but it, yep. it's even more than. Um, sometimes we'll really struggle with the idolatry of work. Oh, I think yeah. you guys even used the word workaholism, right? <laughs> so that's a word that many of us might be familiar with. Um, and so we can, we can make idol of our work. And, and so we ask our work to do for us what God intends to do for us. In, um, yeah, like, like our identity can be found. Right, our identity what, can be tied into that. In what we do. Yeah. And, and, work, and as we'll see, work's really important because work is a gift from God. It's actually given at the very beginning before the fall even happens. Right? So, so we were made to work, yeah. but that can get very easily twisted where all of a sudden we're, we're caught up in this society where it's more like we're working for Pharaoh or maybe even in a position of leadership in, a, in an organization. We actually might unintentionally be putting people back into the ground like Pharaoh did because the focus is just on currency or, or consumption. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. So we dehumanize people. Yeah, so we can even dehumanize ourselves. Yep, yep. Yep. Um, For some of us, we could be married to it. Mm -hmm. So we could spend more time uh, vocation than maybe at home, being present with family. And a lot of our hours reflect that. Correct. Like that's a part of reality. Correct. Yep. Um, but, it, but it's something that takes root in our heart. Yeah. And examining, um, the key is examining the motives behind that, underneath that, right? Because yeah. there's real demands. Like there's real demands that organizations right. and companies have. So that's, that's not right. the angle that I'm coming from here. That's right. It's more of examining what, like, why do I do that? You know? Yeah. And I've, I've struggled with that, you know, at different times in, in my life. We're not going to ask Heidi to come up here and give testimony to, to things. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But I've struggled with that, kind of the, 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 the taking apart, like, who, do, who am I apart from my role? Yeah. You know, and so the, that's where we see yeah. that stuff begin to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what these things do is they actually, um, they narrow and they minimize mm-hmm. what God is doing and calling us into when it comes to work. Yeah, right. We reduce the invitation that he gives to us yeah. of what it means to be image bearers and yeah. what it means to work, what it means to worship. Yeah. And I think that's why this, this uh, passage is so important as it relates to our work, uh, you know, because work and worship are tied intimately together. 
Uh, yeah, that's right. And, and our sense of vocation. Yeah. What does that word mean, by the way? Because I think it's important for us to just unpack. Yeah, yeah. At 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 its simplest level, vocation means calling, Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 it's it's connected to our work again, how we spend our time, how we spend our energy, to contribute to the world around us, to participate in the world around us. And uh, for some, our vocation is tied to our income. Mm -hmm. And other time, again, you might be retired. and, you, and your vocation isn't tied to income. Your vocation can look like uh, teaching a teenage boy how to ski for the first time um, and putting time and energy into contributing to the world around you in, in those kinds of ways. So, so it's, it's bigger than just what we do for income. Yeah, that's right. Right? That's right. Like I think about my wife, for example, and I think about other um, parents, guardians who like, they might not actually work a nine to five and, and make an income, but they're actually caring for little human beings. Yeah, they work a 7 to 10 That's PM. a 24-7 job. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. those are all vocation, mm-hmm. right? Does that make sense? Kind of the vocation as calling. And, and so even as we talk about this stuff, we want to use that language of vocation uh, and, and what is God calling us into. And, and again, some of your minds might already be thinking, I'm not called to do what I'm doing. You guys are pastors. You call, like yeah, we right. interview and those kinds of things. Like how are you called to ministry and those kinds of things. But the fact of the matter is all of us have calling. All of us have vocation. And that's what we want to be able to explore here because that vocation is tied into our worship mm-hmm. um, in reflection of who God is in our world. Yeah, and as we receive his generosity vertically, right, in our relationship with him, then we're able to give horizontally into other relationships, but then just into the world to join him in his work. Yeah, and so there, there's a domain in which we exercise vocation. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. It, it brings it out of the passage. Yeah, there. right. So, that, so uh, David wrote this psalm, right? So David clearly has Genesis 1 and 2 on his brain, right? Like the, the spirit led him to reflect and meditate on Genesis 1 and 2 here. So, so for example, like he's uh, verses 6, 7, and 8 is a paraphrase of what we see back in Genesis 1, specifically in verses 26, 27, and 28, where God makes humanity and then he gives the commission, right? He says that, look, I want them to, to they're made in my image, and what I want them to do is to, to rule over all of creation. Yeah. And so he gives these examples of uh, the animals on the land, the birds of the air, and then this, the swimmers that swim in the sea, right? Yeah. Um, to actually be his representatives to all of creation, including people, yeah, right? But yeah. to all of creation, to actually reflect his goodness. And so the domain becomes all of creation. Right. Well, that's a big domain. Um, <laughs> has anybody here flown off of earth before? Oh, that'd be amazing right? so, if we had And it might even race. extend there, right? So like our, our domain extends all over. Like wherever we walk, wherever we go, that's the domain that's being talked about here when it comes to exercising vocation. Yeah. And, and, and I love how David is tying this to creation. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a human first sort of thing that he's doing. It's look what God did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I consider your heavens, verse three, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place. Like this is where his imagination is going as he's talking about how he engages with God in the world around him, to all that God has created. Domain is all of creation. Yeah, Your domain pretty... is all of creation. There isn't, a, there isn't a spot 
in creation that isn't, isn't part of the domain of what we're talking about here. Which feels a bit uh, outrageous, right? Because right. we're, like, we're finite beings. That's we're, right. We're tied to location. That's right. Right? This is part of why he says, go, like, fill the whole earth, make more images, right? That's right. So that you can join me in, in my invitation to extend my goodness and truth and beauty into the world. And so it would be a struggle to understand vocation and calling outside of the creation story. Yeah, it really would. Right? So we've, we've always got to come back to there and our participation with that. Mm-hmm. Because we go back to the creation story and then we see it again in new creation, this invitation by God that draws us into his work. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you catch that in the in the creation story, and we see that here. Um, again, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Listen to this, verse 6. You made them rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything under their feet. And so God's domain is all of creation, and then he invites humanity. Who, who are humans that God would be mindful of us? I'm human, you're human. Who are we that God would be mindful of us? And he made us just a little lower than the heavenly beings. And then he gave us rulership over his creation. He is inviting us into this place. So this is a, a vocational invitation a vocational invitation. God commissions humans to join him in his work. And it's always about with. That's right. With is really important. What happens if we don't with? Well, then we go back to what you said a few minutes ago where when we try to understand vocation apart from scripture and the story of scripture, right, then it just comes to us. But we can't understand vocation apart from it starts with him. That's right. Right, to understand who we are, to understand why we're here, to understand where we're going, to understand what is the purpose of all of this in the first place. We receive it from our generous, abundant God. That's right. right? And, and what we have received is uh, a commission that, that carries the language of ruling. Correct. And reigning. Which, particularly as a, as a modern Western American, right? Like, we were built on being suspicious of authority. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. It's our country's founding. And we all kind of want it. <laughs> right? So, so right, I'm, right. like, I don't want you to have authority. I don't trust your authority. Right. It'd be better but, if I was in charge. But I, I trust my authority. Right, right. And I kind of want more of it. Right. Right? That's and the so temptation. And so it's this thing that tears us, it kind of pulls us apart in this thing. Right. Right? Because the temptation is to exercise this commission apart from God. Again, th- this, is, this is so crucial. We were made to work with God. You were made to work with God. You weren't made to um, just have, have a little bit of time hanging out with God over coffee and then leave him there and go do your work. Because that's what really matters, right? Yeah. At least yeah, in our 15, culture, 20 minutes. Right, yeah. But then go do our work, <clears throat> it, it, right? Because we compartmentalize things. We were made to work with God. You were made to work with God. Mm-hmm. Like in your vocation, what you do is with God. Almost as if we're going throughout the day, well, God, what, what should we do next? God, how do you want to go about this? This is a problem, God. Right. How do you think we should solve this? 
right? It's, it's not just a mental exercise. It's actually a spiritual, fruitful reality that he calls us into. And so this, this uh, vocational invitation is this invitation to be with mm-hmm. in the exercise of ruling and reigning. That's right. Yeah. Because when, it, when he, so when he created us to be image bearers, this idea kind of in the ancient world in which scripture was written was that first of all, an image of God was only the king or the queen. It wasn't all of the people. And so the creation account in scripture says, er, incorrect. All of y'all are the image of God. All of y'all are kings and queens. And he's invited all y'all to join him in representing him. And then secondly, in the ancient world, kings would actually set up statues of themselves at the outermost parts of their territory because they didn't, they didn't have planes and they couldn't like get in them and then fly to the outermost part of their territory and be like, oh, it's me, I'm here. So they would set these statues up and these were little images to remind the people who was in charge. And so y'all, including me, we all are those images meant to represent God to the world. To actually join him in taking the Garden of Eden, right? So he makes the whole earth. He makes this land called Eden. And then the most concentric circle is the garden within Eden where he walks with humanity. And so he invites us as his images to walk with him. That's how we gain wisdom is by walking with him. And then to take Eden and extend it into the whole earth as we're fruitful and multiply and Edenizing all of creation with his goodness. Like that is the vision on pages one and two of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, and so when we talk about like vocation and our work is a participation with that vision. Right. And you thought you were just gonna clock in and clock out. Right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a big deal when we look at what, what God is doing and what he's inviting us into. And, it's, and it is a vision that he never gives up on. So, so some of us might be jumping like, well, yeah, but then there's chapter three and everything kind of goes awry, which it does in big ways. Yeah. But it is a vision that he never jettisons and that he never gives up on. So, so Jesus has a lot to say about it. Jesus has a ton to say about that. And then even as he's um, about to ascend mm-hmm. back to the, the right hand of the father, he'll even say like, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Yeah, right. And baby. so we're like that ought to like, I should be paying attention to this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he commissions his followers. Now, as you go into all the world, mm-hmm. wherever you go, going, make disciples of all people. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply, right? And so we see the commission in Genesis 1 and 2. We see the, it goes sideways in Genesis 3. We see God never giving up on it in that language of vocation and walking with him and wisdom and mm-hmm. flourishing and multiplying. Um, even in Israel, he made a people and he blessed them so that they could what? Be a blessing to everybody right. else. Yep. And then Christ, through his sacrifice, makes a new people, a new covenant. A new creation. A new creation, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so it's not a start over, it's a flourishing of, it's a redemption of, it's a rescuing of. Mm-hmm. And... And then as he ascends, gets ready to ascend, he does this commission once again. Yeah. Fill the earth. Oh, and by the way, remain here, he says, until my father and I send the spirit to take up residency in all y'all collively and in each of you individually who trust in me. That's <laughs> like, right. 
What? That's right. So it's not relegated to just some out here. No, no, no. It's a, it's a new thing, and he's making a new people. Yeah, in the midst of the old broken creation. That's right. New creation comes crashing in through all y'all who trust in Jesus. And so he blesses this people to be a blessing. That's right. That's always been the kingdom economy. That there would be goodness, that there would be flourishing. Yes, that's That there right. would be fullness throughout creation through his people that are walking in obedience. Exactly. And this so cat like this this is the story that so captivates our forefathers and foremothers of the faith so much so that Christians are the ones in the Roman Empire that they're being oppressed but they're the ones who actually are taking in children who are left in garbage dumps and adopting them into their homes and giving them new leases on life new leases on life Christians are the one historically that that found the first hospitals why, why does that matter? Because of this story. Yeah. They're the ones that found the yeah. first universities. They're the ones that, that, that join in and create beautiful works of art and music and just things that move the soul in representing God's beauty and goodness to all of creation. Like this is what, this is what you and I are invited into and we're supercharged by the Spirit to join them in that work. That's right, because how we do that matters. Yeah. You know, sometimes we can have this perception that um, our calling is to dominate in each of these spheres, mm. right? Dominate culture, dominate government, dominate education, and exert control, and this is how we exercise this. That would be us advancing the kingdom. That's exactly right. But we look at the way that Jesus did this, and he keeps calling us into, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Um, the kingdom of heaven is like uh, yeast that works its way through a whole batch of dough. You look at these ways um, that Jesus talks about the kingdom and how the kingdom advances and how this moves throughout creation, and then you look at how Jesus does that. Mm-hmm. Like we can't, it, we can't advance the ways of Jesus while negating the ways of Jesus. You know, so, so we, we can't inv- yeah, advance well the cause of Jesus without, by negating the ways of Jesus. And yeah. so we pay attention to how Jesus actually goes about doing what he's doing. And he does it through kindness, love, gentleness, mm-hmm. truthfulness. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was unswayed in his piercing truth. Um, but there was a way that people, particularly sinners, were drawn to him. Yeah, and it connects back to, to our psalm, right? Because there's this kind of this riddle of a verse uh, in Psalm 8, in verse 2, through the praise of children and infants. You've estab- you have established a stronghold, that word's a fortress or a refuge against your enemies. And then David goes on to reflect on what God has made. And then he says, who, like, who are we that you are mindful of us, that you care for us? You've made us a little lower than spiritual beings, but you've crowned us with glory and honor. And you've appointed us to rule over all of your creation. And so he wants us to see that God's MO is always to rule through the weak. Yeah, It's always to rule through those who are, are dependent and interdependent upon him not independent of him to work on their own, but interdependent to work with him and join him in his work. So he's always drawn to those who are weak. Infants and children. Infants and children. And somehow through their baby babble, they actually bear witness to God's strength and power. It's how he creates a stronghold (laughs) against his enemies. Yeah, yeah. This is like, Jesus is so 
beautiful and so hard to understand because everything in our culture and our society says be strong, exercise yeah. strength, right? But true strength and power comes by yielding it to him, surrendering it to him that we might use what he's given us to leverage it for the good of others. Yeah. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Right. Blessed are the meek. <laughs> yeah, blessed yeah. are those who mourn. Right. Right. These are the things that Jesus continually draws us into in his ways and what it looks like to walk with him. And this is why Jesus, all authority in heaven has been given, go into all the world, right. baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, right? Drawing them into this new life yeah. and then teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. Because the way of Jesus, the way of the kingdom is not intuitive to us. No. We must be taught it. We must be reshaped in it. And particularly our, our, our understanding of how we engage with the world around us. Right. And so Jesus shows us this. And so let's take a look at what ruling and reigning looks like. So that, that's the invitation. That's the vocational invitation. God has, if you are in Christ, he has commissioned you to rule and reign in the sphere of dominion in which you exist. Yep. <laughs> right? If you are in Christ, he has commissioned you and empowered you by his spirit to rule and reign mm -hmm. in the sphere in which you exist. All right. And to do so how he does so. And to do so how he does so. That's right. Yeah, so our Edens, like yeah. we all have them. He's placed us all in these different Eden spaces. And he, and he has made us and gifted us differently. Mm -hmm. Oh, very unique. So there's uniqueness. I, I love this. You know, when we were talking about this, you brought this passage up and I, I just <clears throat> have been reflecting on it all week and it's just so good. It's in um, Exodus chapter 31, verses one through five. Uh, you want to read that for us? Yeah, yeah. sure. It says then, that, uh, so a little bit of context. Uh, this is God has brought Israel out of Egypt. He um, has saved them. He is now giving them his Torah, his teaching instruction, often translated in our Bibles as law. Uh, and part of that is here are the instructions for building the tabernacle, which is the place where God makes his home among his people. So it says in verse one, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. <laughs> that's so great. And one of the things that's great is, uh, I think this is the first time that, that it's referencing a human being filled with the Spirit of God. Is the very first time this phrase is used that someone was filled. The closest thing we get is Joseph, yeah. where Pharaoh, the good Pharaoh, who Joseph interpreted his dreams, looked at of Joseph and said, who is this that the Spirit of the gods filled him? Yeah. Right? But this language is different here. This is talking particularly about God, the God of all creation, yeah. filling a person. Yeah. Here, and it's... It's to make the tabernacle. It's the craftsman. It's the craftsman. <laughs> so, which, which we wouldn't consider this necessarily a spiritual work here. Right. Again, right? you see day, how this right? breaks down the sacred, secular divide. Yeah. Because a lot of times we'd say, well, it, he must be talking about Aaron, you know, the priest. Like he's going to film with the spirit to go pray. Or right. he's going to go Which again, I think those, which is those great, are pieces beautiful. that God instituted. So I don't want to take Absolutely. away from that. Um, but what I, I want to expand our vision beyond that. Mm -hmm. And so it's this beautiful passage. Um, uh, I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills. God has filled you, right? We see this at Pentecost. 
God's spirit rested on all the believers. God has gifted you. God has made you. When he formed you in your mother's womb and knit you together, he knew what he was doing and he was giving a gift to the world through you, through how you were made. And his spirit empowers your work. Mm -hmm. His spirit empowers your work because you have a voice that is uniquely empowered by God in this world. You have skills and ability that is unique that he is using to bring flourishing and fullness into this world. He is expressing his delight and his sovereign goodness over all of creation through you. Holy cow. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Because again, this, this messes with our, our sense of things mm-hmm. and, and what my role in the world is. Yeah. Right. And sometimes we'll even ask those questions like, I don't know what my purpose in the world is. Uh, scripture will talk about this, this general calling, mm-hmm. this generalized commission. Which we've been talking about. Right. Which we've been talking about. Um, we are called to love God. We are called to love our neighbor. And in our work, whatever that looks like, love God, love our neighbor for the good and flourishing of those around us. That, that's what, that, that, those are the guardrails that we've been given. Mm-hmm. And then within those guardrails, within those expectations that God has put on us and called us to, um, there's lots of room. It's a very wide highway for driving. And there's lots of ways that that can be expressed in what we might call personal calling. Mm-hmm. Right, And so personally, I am called, you are called, you are called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You have been called and commissioned. Um, we may be called to specific work. Mm-hmm. No, I said may. Yeah, sure. Right? Because we ask that a lot. Like, what am, I, what am I supposed to do? What does God want me to do? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the big picture, the, like the, the answer that is always true when we ask that question, God, what do you want me to do? The answer that is always true is God always wants you wherever you are to love him with everything you have and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. And to participate in the world around us for its good and flourishing. That's everywhere. Like that's a gimme. That's me, you, 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 you. Yep, you too. Like that's, that's all like we can get. So when we ask the question like, God, what do you want me to do? Sometimes, you know, uh, we're getting close to graduation, mm, um, high school good. or college, uh, master's degree. We're like, God, what do you want me to do? Love the Lord your God with everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself and participate in the world for its good and flourishing, right? And then there are times even within that, that God is, um, he has a specific desire, a location, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a place for you, and, and we see that exemplified in Scripture mm-hmm. that, that sometimes there is a place, mm-hmm. and so we want to pay attention to that. We want to we want to participate with that. But we discern that as we walk with Him in the cool of the day in the gardens of our lives. Yeah, as we as we pray with Him, as we listen to His voice, as we discern our giftedness, even our spiritual gifts, we discern all of that in the context of community and in relationship with one another. How else am I supposed to know what I'm gifted at? I might think I'm gifted at something, and y'all might go, Joe, no, that's not, no, yeah. don't. I, I might think, I, Tyler, you, you know, you do a great job leading worship, buddy, but I think next Sunday I should take that. Nope. Uh, the report back from all y'all is going to be, God, please, no. Nope. No, no, no. no. That's, a, that's a hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> right? And... 
Um, so that, that community is really important mm -hmm. because a lot of times what we do is we kind of relegate it into private world. Correct. Right. And we, need, my to, we need to discern, but this is about me mm -hmm. when God actually puts us in community. We. Yeah, that's right. Where yeah. we discern wisdom, mm -hmm. where we discern wisdom and, and learn to listen to his voice. Uh, I, I remember when um, Heidi and I were sensing that, that uh, you know, we were serving at a church in Chicago and we've kind of felt like God was untethering us from that a little bit and was leading us. And then we got connected with Centerpoint Church. And, and this is a discernment process for us. We actually pulled together uh, what I just call my kitchen cabinet. It was people, there were people there who have known me since I was a kid uh, that were part of that. There were people who were uh, a part of our church in Chicago who mm -hmm. honestly, like, and for whatever reason, their lack of discernment, they loved me and, and didn't want us to go. But... But they, they gave us they a gift process. of discerning yeah. that process that would lead to our leaving. Um, and so it was just a wide variety of people. And so every step of the way, I would communicate with this kitchen cabinet. And, and it was a part of the discerning. It was like I told them a lot about you. And so they know you. And, <laughs> um, and, and that was a part of a communal process of discerning. Was this a change of location in our call? Uh, what was God doing? Um, and, and so we submit that into community. It's not an abdication yeah. to others, but it's a seeking wisdom in others. That's really, really important. Yeah, very important. It, it kind of it makes me think back. So my, so my first job in high school, I actually worked in a grocery store back in Pennsylvania for six years. So, so worked there in high school, worked there during college. Uh, for the first three years of working there, I would have said that I was a Christian. I, I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time. So three years into that time, I come back to the Lord. I start walking with him. I'm feeling a difference in my life. People I'm working with, friends who know me, are seeing a difference in my life. Um, and I remember how much just my perception uh, of what I was there to do in the grocery store changed. Mm. Right, so my job didn't change. I was a stock person. <laughs> I stocked shelves and I brought carts in. Um, but once I got into scripture and I started to see this, it infused life with all new purpose and meaning because I was actually rediscovering what purpose and meaning was, <laughs> who he made me to be. So even stocking shelves, right? Like that, that's a pretty innocuous, benign example um, became infused with, oh, I get, to, I get to do this with him. And it became a place where it became a mission field and I could share my faith with people and people would come and talk to me and, and, and trust and share things with me. Um, and at the same time, I was sensing his call to go to seminary because he had put it in my heart. I, if you would ask me, what do you want to do one day? I would say, I want to teach the Bible. And, well, well, how are you going to do that? I don't really know. I just, that's the call that he placed in my life. Right, and so it was, it was vaguely specific, and then I followed him in that, and it's been a long, winding journey, and I'm and, and here today. But, yeah. but having this understanding, I think, changes our perspective, even in some of the things that we might think, oh, can we just get this done so we can move on to the real spiritual things? Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, one of my first jobs uh, was at a, it was a store called the City Farmer. It was a little bit like Blue Seal, you know, mm -hmm. over in Bow. If you ever go there, you get your bird seeds, you get your dog food. Yeah, but it's great smell. I, it's, the smell just still brings me back to my first job. So it was that kind of an environment. And, and my job was to stock shelves, haul bags, get the hay, that kind of thing, and wait on customers. But the guy who owned it, Greg, um, it was just fascinating for me to watch him 
as he did this. So he'd gone to school. He got a master's degree in horticulture. Mm-hmm. And, and he loved solving problems and helping people tend to their gardens and their animals. Um, and so they'd, like, people would come in with this little baggie of a weed, not a baggie of weed, but a baggie <laughs> that was, had weeds in it. And I just want to make sure we're clear. Um, and he'd look at this thing. He's like, oh, this is, and he'd rattle off its very scientific name. And, um, and here's what you do with it. Here's how we can mitigate this and that kind of thing. Or they'd bring in, um, you know, their, their lamb who was something and he wasn't a veterinarian, but he'd be able to look and say, here's, here's what you need to take a look at. He just had this, he wow. loved Jesus and he loved God's creation. Mm-hmm. And so I just got a front row seat to seeing that happen. And, and honestly, that impacted, uh, that impacted me and, sh- and gave me a vision for what this looks like, uh, even in my own life as a teenager at that point and then in, into adulthood. Um, and, and, I, and I see that with, with so many of you. Yeah. You know, again, yeah. our, our calling is to bring flourishing, goodness, order, beauty. That's what God does. He brings order out of chaos. So some of you God has wired as, as attorneys and um, uh, cleaners mm-hmm. and um, accountants. Like, God has made you to think in orderly ways. Mm-hmm. God has made you that way for the good and flourishing of the rest of us. Some of you God has made with minds that are just so creative and you think in terms of beauty and, and you help bring flourishing and beauty to our world. God has wired some of you to be physicians and nurses and nursing assistants and caretakers. And God has wired you to bring healing into our world. God has wired and called some of you as, as um, full-time parents. Like you, This is what you give yourself to and you devote yourself to as mom or as dad. And God has entrusted you with the flourishing and goodness of these children and he's put you there on purpose. Some of you, God has led into a place where you are no longer financially dependent on an income stream. We often call it retirement, but I'd like us to think even differently about that because God has called you to spread beauty and goodness and order and flourishing and love in the world in which you live. And I see that happen all over the places. And this is all an expression of God's generosity. But we get ourselves so easily turned up. And I want to just hold out one particular practice that's helpful in reorienting us to this, all right? Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about it briefly, and we're not going to do a deep dive on this. If you want to, you can do a deep dive in your own space. Um, but it's the practice of Sabbath. The practice of Sabbath. And this is God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. God has given us the gift of Sabbath because it reorients us to God's work in the world. It reminds us that when I stop, the world doesn't. It reminds us that at the end of the day, the provision that I receive through my work is an act of God's generosity in my life. It's a reminder that it all doesn't revolve around me. So these are gifts that God has given us in Sabbath. And when we work 24-7, when we barge on through and we don't find even just moments, maybe we can't string together 24 hours, but we don't find moments where we just stop and live in delight and receiving his love for us, then our sense of work becomes askew. Mm -hmm. There's a great quote um, that I want to read for us. It's uh, A.J. Swoboda, right? They got this? And he says this. I think it's going to be on the screen too. The Sabbath has largely been forgotten by the church. Not by the world. That was a long time ago. By the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed West. The result, 
Our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as vital elements of Christian discipleship. It is not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. We have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, and spiritually malnourished people in history. Oof. Yeah. Sabbath. The place where we stop. The place where we stop. And just sit with him. We're going to take a moment and do that now um, as we practice communion together. And we're very intentionally not playing music. The neighbors are helping us with some bell music. But I want you to sit in quietness as the team passed the things by. I want you to just sit in quietness. Take, it, take the bread, take the juice, hold it. We're going to receive it in a moment. Um, but sit quietly. Take a deep breath. And if no other space in your week, you've got a three-minute Sabbath coming at you right now as we sit quietly in his presence, reflecting Mm -hmm. on his generosity. Like you hold in your hands a reminder of his generosity, his life given for us. You don't need to be a member of our church to celebrate communion with us. You just need to be part of God's family. And if that's you, let's celebrate together in quietness as we Sabbath for a few moments together. The Lord invites you and me individually and together to walk with him in the cool of the day. To walk with him to gain wisdom. To walk with him to receive of his generosity. To be generous extensions of him into the world. Jesus was steeped in the scriptures. And Jesus understood that when his father crafted humanity and he made Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden that he made them on day six and he made them as the last bit of creation that he made on day six. And so Jesus would have understood that Adam and Eve's first full day walking in the garden with his father was actually a Sabbath day. And that it wasn't until two days into having been made that they were invited to worship, work, and to do life with God. So their work flowed out of who they were. And Jesus at his baptism, his father spoke over him, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus knew that his work that he came to do, which was the work of the father, was only possible because of his identity, being beloved by the father, empowered by the spirit. Listen to these words of Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The night of the Last Supper, Jesus broke bread with his, with his friends. And the Passover meal, he held up that bread and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Let's partake together.
He then took the cup, drank it, gave it to his friends and said, this is my blood to be shed for you. Take it and drink. Let's partake. You see, friends, Jesus, understanding his identity as beloved by the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, did what you and I could not do, fulfilling all that God had laid out, taking upon himself what we put on him in our brokenness, in our walking outside of Eden, and taking our sins upon himself so that we might not only receive forgiveness, but then join him in that new recreated commission to make disciples of all nations. This is what he has before us. This is what he has before you. So let's give him one final word of thanks before we go out into the world, into the place that he has invited us to love and serve him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this commission. Thank you for the fact that you sent your son, your beloved son, to do what we could not do, to make a way for us to be back in relationship with you so that we might join you in extending your beauty and your truth and your goodness and the good news of King Jesus into all the earth. God, we thank you for your goodness and your generosity. By your spirit, would you captivate our hearts our minds, our imaginations, God, with who you are so that we might be empowered by your Holy Spirit, your hands and feet, wherever you go, the gardens that you have commissioned us to till and tend and cultivate and care for, that we might join you in co-creating as you lead us into all things. We pray this, Jesus, in your name and all God's people said, amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. May you be blessed. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.